Republicans are currently projected to win in two special elections, Wisconsin's 7th District and California's 25th. But they're not just winning. They are absolutely obliterating the Democrats. In Wisconsin's 7th, an R plus 8 district, they're looking at around a 14 point advantage. In California, which is considered to be an even district, but it's a district where the previous Democrat won with a nine point lead. The Republican now has a 12 point lead. That's a 21 point swing in the other direction. The reason this is so important is that many people view this as a precursor to what will come in November. Pollsters, pundits, people on the left were saying we may see evidence of a blue wave in these elections. 538 said, if the Democrats are competitive in Wisconsin 7th, that is evidence of a blue wave. The Democrats will maintain their majority in the House. They said if Democrats can hold California's 25th, because it is a close race, that is proof of a blue wave. Instead, it is devastatingly bad. Republicans are overperforming based on projections. We also what happened in the UK back in December. The conservatives in the UK crushed the left. And many people speculated we may see the same thing here in the US come November. But we weren't sure. Many on the left are still defending their position. 538 again saying evidence of a blue wave. I thought this was so weird to see 538 say this when all, all signs point culturally to the Republicans crushing it. A Gallup poll showing that congressional Republicans for the first time in two decades are more favorable than congressional Democrats, plus all these scandals stands to reason that with Donald Trump on the ballot combined with these numbers, it is going to be a massive red wave, a red tidal wave, as it were. Now, of course, I was completely wrong in 2018. And I always bring this up because I have no problem mentioning it. I overlooked an important detail in 2018. Trump supporters are not necessarily Republican supporters. So in the midterms, Trump's base didn't turn out in large enough numbers. This is data from the New York Times. But now we're looking at a non-Trump ballot. These two special, elect- special elections don't have Trump on the ballot, and they're crushing Democrats. Take that into consideration and consider this. Come November, when Trump's supporters come out in droves to pull that lever for Donald Trump, they are going to check Republican across the board. I think we are going to see Republicans sweep. I could be wrong because people are going to point to this video and be like, ah, you were wrong again. Yeah, I know I could be based on the current data. I think it's a fair assessment, but you know, we'll see how things play out. Let's read these stories. And then I want to talk about Joe Biden. You see, something strange is happening. First of all, we all know Joe Biden's not viable, but we're seeing more evidence of a Trump victory in what's called uh, stealth voters, a new phenomenon we haven't seen before or may have seen just not uh, recent in recent history is that there are some people who claim they approve of Trump's performance but then a percentage of people saying they won't vote for Donald Trump. There's a disparity here that makes no sense. Because of the media's attacks on Trump, it seems there are many people who won't admit they will vote for Trump when they actually want to and approve of the president. That being the case, I think we're looking at a Trump victory, man. Trump 2020 landslide, even with everything going on with COVID. I think that's what we can expect. Let's read the news and see what's going on. I want to show you all the data. This is really fascinating stuff. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. But the best thing you can do, share this video. YouTube props up mainstream media. It creates difficulties for channels like mine when you're only recommended Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. The only way around this is either to have a massive marketing, massive marketing budget I don't have and they do, or to ask you to share the video. So it really, really does help. It's more powerful than their algorithm. More importantly, though, Look, if you're a Democrat, if you're on the left or you know someone who is, they need to see this. 
They need to understand what's coming, because if the Democrats don't get their act together, which they haven't been for years, well, then they're not going to win for a long time. So as much as they might, may not want to hear this, it might be important if they think they're going to win. But of course, I doubt they'd want to watch. Share anyway, right? If you just, if you just want to watch, then please uh, subscribe, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, and let's read the news. GOP poised to retake Katie Hill's California seat as Trump-backed candidate wins big in Wisconsin. Fox News reports, candidates backed by Donald Trump were outperforming expectations in two closely watched congressional special elections on Tuesday night as former Navy combat pilot Mike Garcia inched closer to retaking Democrat Katie Hill's California seat and Republican Tom Tiffany easily prevailed in Wisconsin. Garcia grabbed a substantial early lead Tuesday in the fight for the open U.S. House seat north of Los Angeles in the swing 25th district, giving California Republicans a chance to claim a Democratic held congressional seat in the state for the first time since 1998. That's amazing. With 76% of precincts reporting and approximately 143,000 ballots counted, Garcia was leading Christy Smith 55.9% to 44.1%. But California routinely counts large numbers of voters after election day. An unknown number of ballots remain uncounted. And Los Angeles County, where most of them are located, was not expected to update its tally again till Friday. There's also mail-in voting. So consider, they're not out of the woods yet. Right now, it's it's a substantial early lead. Garcia, I believe, is not declaring victory. Mail-in ballots are still favoring Republicans. But this is an LA county. This district did swing for Hillary Clinton in 2016. We will see. But right now, everyone's basically saying they've well overperformed and he is projected to win. We'll see how things play out coming uh, later in the week. Virtually all voters were expected to mail in ballots because of the virus outbreak, though a sprinkling of polling places were available for those who wanted to vote in person. Mail in ballots can arrive as late as Friday and still be counted, provided they were postmarked by election day. Trump lost the district by six points in 2016. He went out of his way to promote Garcia in recent weeks as strong on guns and immigration. And some Democrats had hoped he would be a liability in the race. Former President Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton and other high profile Democrats all lined up behind Smith. The seat became vacant last year due to the resignation of Hill and the uh, ethics violations. Remember, get out the vote. For Mike Garcia, Trump tweeted Tuesday, a really big deal for our, for our country. In fact, Donald Trump had even argued that it was rigged because they were opening polling places in the LA area. But it stands to reason Mike Garcia is on track to win. There's a big concern among Repu- Republicans, however, that mail-in ballots will open the door for some shady dealings. I don't know what to say to that. You got to prove it. If you, if you claim someone's swinging it, finding ballots, yeah, there's weird things. I don't like the idea of them changing the rules. We'll see how things play out come Friday. They say Smith and Garcia topped a crowded field of candidates in the state's March 3rd primary and advanced to separate elections, one on Tuesday to fill the remainder of Hill's two-year term and a second in November for the full two-year term starting 2021. For the GOP, Smith's statement that more votes need to be counted conjured up memories of the 2018 election when Republicans saw their early leads in California races shrink to nothing after election day. As more and more ballots trickled in, some Republicans cried foul and blamed the state's practice of legalized ballot harvesting, which permits political operatives to pick up voters' ballots en masse and drop them off at polling stations. We will see. You see, one of the things that happened in 2018 was that early on, it looked like Republicans were actually doing well. Uh, Democrats were doing well, too. But as the votes trickled in, Democrats started winning to the shock of many Republicans. 
But take a look at this story here. Uh, take a look at this data here from the New York Times. I want to show you what's going on in these uh, polling places, the most up-to-date data. And I want to explain to you why this is predicting a blue, blue wave, essentially countering the narrative put forth by, by many Democrats, resistance types, and leftists. California special election result 25th congressional district currently has a 12-point advantage for Mike Garcia. When we look at the current uh, mail-in ballots, we have 34% returned, according to Political Data Inc. Most importantly, Republicans have a major advantage. We can see that of the ballots mailed out, 46% of Republicans have returned theirs, giving them a 10,000 count lead. Above the Democrats, only 32% have returned their ballots. Independents are harder to track because we don't necessarily know who they're voting for, but they're leaning towards Trump nationwide and in many different jurisdictions. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out. There are more Democrats than Republicans. We're also seeing the youth vote. So far, only 19% have returned their ballots. This is still good news for Republicans. Even if the mail-in ballots come in Friday, it's currently tracking towards favoring the Republicans. So we will see how this plays out. It's hard to know exactly. Over in Wisconsin, we can see that Tom, Tom Tiffany has just a slightly under uh, around 14 point lead, which is still really good. Now, apparently Donald Trump won this district by 20 points, and that's being pointed to by Democrats as evidence that Trump isn't doing as well. As far as I can tell, it doesn't really matter. Democrats are not being competitive. That was the big argument that was put forward. Two important bits of data is the historical Cook PVI. California's 25th congressional district is considered even, meaning it's a toss up. It's a swing district. Wisconsin is Republican plus eight. We can see down here to win by 14 points is still ridiculously good for Republicans. Take a look at this story. I highlighted this story uh, a couple times in the past few days. Two special elections on Tuesday could hint at another blue wave in 2020. This is what the, this is the narrative that the Democrats were going for or that 530 it was putting out. And it was the strangest thing to me. But you know what? We'll run with it because the inverse would be true, right? The argument from 538's Jeffrey Skelly is that uh, here's what he basically says. If Democrats are also competitive in the quickly reddening rural Wisconsin, it could signal another blue wave in the fall. Here's everything you need to know about the two races. Okay. The main, here, here's what they say. The main event is in California's 25th congressional district, a bellwether seat in North, North Los Angeles suburbs, where both parties see a chance to add to their ranks in the House. So if, if they were arguing the Democrats doing well in these districts signaled, signaled a blue wave. Is it fair to then say there will not be a blue wave? The inverse would be true. Not completely. I don't think it's a one for one thing. You can't really say it. We don't know. I think the speculation was terrible, mind you. A very, very big mistake on the part of 538. When we look at Gallup's data, the favorability of Congress, Republicans have flipped. It's flipped. Republicans are now above Democrats. That says something. But more importantly, what says something is the secret Trump voters. Interestingly, the Trump voters aren't playing a role here right now, for the most part. New York Times said that in 2018, for the most, uh, one of the big factors in the, the victory of the Democrats in these moderate districts was that Trump supporters didn't come out. That way, these Democrats were able to flip the district. I'll tell you what, man, the anecdotal evidence I've seen suggests people are fed up with the Democrats. It's been lie after lie. They've been wrong about so much. They were wrong about Russia. They were wrong about Ukraine. Impeachment failed. They were wrong about Jussie Smollett and they were wrong about the Covington kids. The media has just been wrong every step of the way. I can only imagine at a certain point, people are tired of losing. The economy was doing great under Donald Trump for the first few years. 
Then we saw the pandemic hit and nobody blames Trump for that. The polls show it. People do not blame Trump for the economic hurt. In fact, this is more evidence to suggest people may actually flock to Donald Trump. He proved he can make the economy work. The economy got hit by the virus. Who's going to fix it? Joe Biden? Sorry, I don't think so. So 538 had a ridiculous assessment. For some reason, even though polling data suggested Democrats would fail, they argued there could be a blue wave. I get it, man. We can all be wrong. You know, it'll be funny if come November, I was wrong and we look back at this. I'll accept that, right? But I predicted a red wave, or I should say I, I suggested. But there's another funny story from 530 that I want to show you. If Trump is down in the polls, why do so many Americans think he'll win? They give a very ridiculous response, in my opinion. But let's move from Congress to Trump, because listen, the big factor in whether or not Republicans will retake the House is if Trump supporters come out in droves. It stands to reason they will. I mean, people love voting for the guy. Look at the record-breaking GOP primary. They're going to come out and they're going to vote for the guy. And they're going to give a big boost to all these Republicans. But here's what they ask. They say Biden has a decent lead in the number of swing states. His polls are, are doing really, really well. What's up with voters giving Trump such a high odds of beating Biden? 55% said they think Trump will win in November, according to an average of recent polls. That's been relatively consistent over time, too. Do you think that will change, though, if Biden remains in the lead? Perry Bacon Jr., a senior writer, says Trump's standing might be stronger in perception than in reality for many voters for two reasons. First, the polls had Clinton as the likely winner in 2016 and Trump won. So, of course, some people are wary of the polls again. Second, I think the possibility that Trump might take extra legal, unethical or or norm violating steps like trying to have the Ukrainian government investigate the son of one of his rivals to win the election makes people a little less confident that the election will take place in a traditional way. Basically, if some people already think Trump will cheat to win, they will likely not find the polls much comfort. Yes, that's the argument. Trump will cheat. Sorry, you lost in 2016. Get over it. Donald Trump wasn't trying to cheat because he wanted to dig into what or because he was concerned about what was going on with Burisma and the Ukraine stuff. That's ridiculous, man. They want to change the rules. They want to complain. It's time you get with it and realize you are wrong all the time. This is what's crazy to me. Adam Schiff has been lying, lying, lying nonstop for years about Russiagate. Why would anyone in their right mind believe them at this point? That's what's shocking to me about the consistent claims of a coming blue wave. Now, this is where it gets really fascinating. Does Trump have a secret stash of voters? Sounds like the answer is yes. We've known about Trump's stealth voters for some time. People who are scared to admit they will vote for Donald Trump for media reasons. Now, I do find one thing quite hilarious. All the Trump supporters who think I'm one of these people when I'm certainly not. I will tell you straight up when I've made a definitive decision on who I will vote for. A lot of people are saying Tim's clearly in the bag for Trump. No, no. Simply because I do not like Democrats doesn't mean I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. I will say, however, the case has been made by me and others that the economy needs saving. And who has proven themselves? Donald Trump. It's a very good reason. But I also don't think I'm at a position where I'm going to be waving a flag and and, and cheering and and saying, like, I know for sure what I'm going to be doing come November. Though I've said over and over again, it's becoming easier and easier to consider Trump for uh, for re-election and that the Democrats have made it well, the Democrats are the ones who did it. Joe Biden is not viable. And I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll show you why, but check out this data. The Washington Post writes, President Trump currently trails his presumptive Democratic opponent, former Vice President Joe Biden, in nearly every national public opinion poll. But a closer look at the data reveals he may have a secret stash of voters that makes the race closer than it currently appears. 
The stash might come from a curious polling anomaly. Every poll in the Real Clear Politics average that asks both a job approval and a Trump versus Biden ballot question finds that more people approve of Trump's job performance than say they will vote for him. The gap between job approval and vote share ranges between two points in Monmouth and, uh, and CNN polls and seven points in the Fox News and CNBC polls. But every poll has a similar finding. This gap did not exist in President Barack Obama's 2012 reelection campaign. Polls from April, April 2012 had no consistent pattern. Four, four polls found Obama's share of the vote in trial, trial heats against Republican nominee Mitt Romney was higher than his job approval rating, while three showed the opposite. All of the differences were no more than three points, which means the differences were within the poll's margin of error. The result was that Obama's average share of the vote largely tracked his job approval rating. It's simple. Who are these people who claim Trump is doing a good job that also claim they won't be voting for him? These must be Donald Trump's stealth voters, because think about the questions. Some Trump supporters claim that they purposefully say Joe Biden to lull the Democrats into a false sense of security. Now, that's 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 fun, but I don't know how, how serious that would be. That would be a, a, a massive amount of people doing that and laughing about it. The reality is, I believe people are scared to say they will vote for Trump. They're worried about the media attacking them, of being accused of all these nasty things, of admitting that they don't care about Donald Trump's attitude, that he might be a nasty person, he might be mean. But as Donald Trump said, he may be nasty, but he's working for you. People, re- people realize this. I remember I was in an airport a few months ago and a guy told me, he said, hey, man, I wouldn't invite the guy to my house for dinner, but the money's good. How many people want to admit that they agree Trump's got a bad, a bad attitude, he's a bad character, he's a nasty guy, but they love the money, they love the economy, so they're going to vote for him anyway? Few people, I suppose. But when it comes down to it, what really matters? The economy. And Donald Trump's approval rating on, the, on economics and the economy is very, very high, even in the pandemic when the economy is taking a big hit. Says to me, Trump's stealth voters, they're going to get him this victory. Now, it's not just Donald Trump's stealth voters. It's also the fact that Joe Biden has, there's, there's no enthusiasm for this man. So even if Donald Trump is doing worse off than he was in 2016, presumably, I, there's no reason to believe it. it we, have, we have every reason to believe he's doing better. But let's say that Donald Trump, for some reason, is doing worse. People don't like the guy. No one's going to come out for Joe Biden because the dude's clearly lost it. The New York Times asks something similar. Biden has an edge on Trump. So why are Democrats worried? Well, the Washington Post lays it out for us. They say it's Trump's self-voters. But this article brings up something very interesting. Joe Biden is a complete mess. Take a look at this, uh, this, this snippet from the story. What was hailed? As the first digital, the first all digital rally last Thursday evening, more closely resembled late night local access television. Midway through, the feed went black for almost seven minutes. The audio was garbled. A dramatic walk up entrance showing Mr. Biden removing his aviator sunglasses was mangled. Did they introduce me? He asked. Am I on? Oh, man. The Biden campaign has been a complete and total disaster. And you know why? Democrats still haven't figured out what went wrong in 2016. There's a story from Jonah Goldberg for Newsday. He basically says, he says, I have a theory, or rather I'm persuaded by a theory I picked up on from Denver University professor of political science, Seth Maskett, author of the forthcoming book, Learning from Loss. The Democrats, 2016 to 2020, the Democrats can't figure out what to do next because they still haven't figured out what really went wrong the last time. Every four years, one of the parties loses the presidential race. As the party poobahs, uh, as the party poobahs and political pundits play the blame game, 
a rough consensus quickly emerges about why the party nominee lost. Sometimes the most self-serving explanation wins out. It was all the candidate's fault. The election was winnable and our ideas are great, but our nominee just couldn't make the sale. But sometimes the postmortem is coldly empirical and data-driven. We failed to connect with suburban voters. We didn't turn out our base in Michigan or Ohio. We never came up with a good response to those attacks. And sometimes consensus emerges that the party itself is ideologically out of touch with the majority of the electorate. Bill, Bill Clinton beat the incumbent president H.W. Bush in 92 for a number of reasons. But one of the main, main ones was that the party recognized that its previous two nominees, Walter Mondale and Michael Dukakis, seemed too beholden to special interests and too committed to liberal orthodoxy. Clinton ran as a different kind of Democrat who went out of his way to shoot some liberal sacred cows. 24 years later, his wife was the nominee. Hillary Clinton lost the election, but not the popular vote. Were it not for some 78,000 votes in five counties, four in Florida and one in Michigan, Clinton would have won the electoral college tally as well. Such a close election made it harder to understand what went wrong. In statistical terms, this is white noise well within the margin of error. You can blame the Russians for Trump's victory, or you can blame the weather, or you can blame Clinton for snubbing the state of Wisconsin. In other words, you can pick whichever theory supports your idea of what the party should do next. Clinton did not take her defeat well and spent much of 2017 offering self-serving theories about who or what was to blame from sexist men, self-hating women, voter suppression, fake news, and of course, the Russians. This made a sober accounting of the Democrats' loss even harder. And then there's the Bernie factor. Sanders lost the primary in 2016, but it's like he never got the memo. He and his supporters took their surprisingly strong showing to claim a mandate for changes to the party, particularly in Iowa, which is one reason for the disaster there. There's also the fact that Trump won despite most polls predicting a Clinton victory. This shock, Masket writes, undermined many activists' longstanding beliefs about just what sorts of candidates are electable. Add in the fact the last winning Democratic presidential candidate, Obama, was not uh, won not by running to the center the way Bill Clinton did, but by turbocharging the turnaround of the Democratic base. And you can see why many Democrats think that's a winning strategy this time around. That's certainly Sanders' bet indeed. Most, uh, for most of the last year, nearly all Democratic candidates were fighting in Sanders' lane and working under the same theory. So you get the point. I'm not going to prattle on too much. The point is very simple. It's uh, simple. The Democrats don't know why they lost, so they can't adequately adapt to win. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is proving his, his platform works. He's, he was doing right by the economy. Even if you want to argue about the coronavirus pandemic response, Trump was still earlier compared to Democrats. Add in the Joe Biden factor. And the Democrats have put forth a nominee that makes no sense, that can barely speak. And I got to say, it's shocking to me they would choose this guy. Add all of these things together and you get one other big factor that just topples everything over and creates this red wave, in my opinion. The media attack factor. I'll tell you what I feel. I know many of you feel the same. I've never been a big fan of Donald Trump. I think he's funny. That's fine. But he wasn't my choice. But I am so sick and tired of the orange man bad narrative, the constant lies, everything he does is wrong, nothing makes sense, that I am just fed up. And I tell you what, I can totally empathize with those people who want to just stick it to the media and the Democratic establishment by just pulling that lever, yelling Trump as a big F you to that machine. I am sick and tired of every story lying, lying, lying. And it's so obvious there are rational, middle-of-the-road people who just can't take it anymore. You think I want these people to win now? You would be sadly mistaken. Nah. 
Um, it, doesn't mean, it, it doesn't necessarily mean I want Trump to win. And I'm not such an overly emotional person that I'm going to be angry enough to just give Trump my vote simply because I don't like the media line. But I'll tell you what, I can certainly understand why it would feel so good to see Donald Trump win again in the face of every lie for the past four years, nonstop, since 2015, nearly five years of lying lying and screeching and screaming and the annoying, incessant. I tell you what, man, at a certain point, you just want to spite these awful people. And I think people are going to come out. You add all of these factors together. But that one, to me, that's the emotional reaction from people saying, I just can't take it anymore. Some have argued that would be enough to convince people to vote Democrat so that the incessant Trump screeching stops. I don't think so. I think Americans are stubborn. I think if you screech in their face like a whiny baby with having a temper tantrum, eventually they put you in timeout. Now, there are some people that when the child cries for an hour, they say, fine, fine, please, I'll give you anything you want. Just stop crying. That doesn't sound like Americans. Americans are the people who are going to be like, if you keep crying, I'm going to put you in your room and you're going to be grounded. And they cry more and they say, "Okay, you get what you deserve. I think that's what we can expect. These two districts not set in stone yet. We may see some changes. Wisconsin 7th seemed to be set in stone, but California could change the mail-in ballot. For the time being, this flies in the face of the projections by 538. And dare I say, I think the red wave is coming. I could be wrong. Hubris will be your downfall. If Republicans think this is enough for them to, to, to sit, you know, to rest and think they got it in the bag, that's when they'll lose. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews, and I will see you all then. CNN has once again been caught lying. And you know what? I would normally say it's just bad journalism. They have no idea what they're doing, but I think it's intentional. I mean, it's really, really beneficial that CNN fear mongers and pushes this fake news. And I've ragged on, you know, Brian Stelter for pushing out fake news and being essentially performative journalism. That's what CNN does. So why would it be surprised to find out that they reported this story? 68% of Americans say an available vaccine is very important before returning to normal life. New survey finds they had to change this because it was it was fake news. The headline they published said two thirds of Americans said they would not return to normal life until a vaccine becomes available for COVID-19. Right now, Los Angeles County has announced they will in all likelihood be extending their lockdown for three more months. Why? Well, it's because they have, you know, 1,500 or so deaths. And, and this is scary, right? We, we, we're upset that people are losing their lives. But at this point, it's fair to say that our projections were off. The mortality rate is lower. We have study after study after study. But more importantly, the expert has already weighed in. Dr. Fauci himself, according to CNBC, there's no guarantee that the vaccine is actually going to be effective. He also warned there's a potential for a vaccine to make the course of the disease even stronger. I defer to the great Dr. Fauci. YouTube, how about that? Fauci says the vaccine might not actually work. Then why are we locked down? What can we do at this point if there's going to be a second wave, if the mortality rate is already lower than we thought, and the vaccine might not even work? Okay, time to reopen with social distancing measures. But you know what? While all of these people are squirming, in, in, in Los Angeles, we're seeing CA25 just flipped red. I'm going to do a segment on that later today. If it was in the podcast, you already heard it. But it's going, to be, it's going to be great. For the first time in 20 years, Republicans have flipped a blue seat red. 
Now, it's a bit more complicated than that, but, but I want to tell you why I think CNN is such a great and powerful asset for Donald Trump. You know why? When CNN reports this fake news, people 68% say they need a vaccine. You end up with these politicians, these Democrats saying, we want to err on the side of what's popular. So they decide to, well, we'll lock things down because this is what people want. You end up with things like this on the front page of Reddit's all. All is like every post. Check this out. Number four, as of the filming of this video, is a post and a response. And it says, American society slaughtered. Dubstep Marie Kondo asks, honest question. Why do you think the United States is the only country on earth that is protesting being locked down? And the post that was liked and retweeted says, because people who have never truly been oppressed are being inconvenienced for the first time in their lives and don't understand what it means to sacrifice in the name of the greater good. Individualist culture, institutionalized racism, commodity fetishism, and selfishness. There is so much wrong with this, but I tell you what, this is why I'm going to break it down. CNN, they're fake news. We'll read the story. I'm sorry. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. They're caught lying, and we're going to break down why. But Trump supporters should be happy. They should be very, very happy by this because what it shows is that these people live in a paranoid, delusional state. You see, the United States is not the only country protesting. Countries all over the world are protesting. I actually covered protests in Germany and Australia already. They're happening all over Europe. They're happening in Canada. They're happening everywhere. But these people just live in this broken, delusional state where the only thing they think of when they hear about protests is, you know, a guy waving a Gadsden flag or something with like a rifle because they watch CNN and, and, and channels like CNN. So what ends up happening then is you get California being locked down for, th- I'm sorry, Los Angeles gets locked down for three more months. What do you think the average person in California is thinking? They're probably like, dude, I can't do this. I need to work. I need to eat. This is insane. Now, young people probably a little bit more resilient, but people have been taking their own lives. It's been getting bad. Now, these politicians think that because of these stories from CNN, the popular position is to remain locked, remain locked down. It is not. So Donald Trump swoops in, complains about the fake news and regular people, disaffected liberals, politically uninitiated people are saying, look, man, I don't care for this lockdown anymore. We're watching videos of restaurants open up and people go about their business. We're seeing video footage of people in Central Park in New York City, and we're asking why it is that the media keeps telling us this. Why are we being told to stay indoors when everyone else is already outside, when Fauci has said the vaccine might not even work, when study after study shows us the mortality rate is substantially lower than we realized, and some states are already already reopening. But more importantly, for those that do watch real news, we've seen South Dakota never locked down. They were attacked by the press. And what happened? Nothing. They are not a hotspot. There was no massive spike in cases. They are, they are like ranked 30th in terms of hospitalizations, and they have less than 200. But they never locked down. How could that possibly be? Because maybe CNN is pumping out fake news. And the more people believe this, you see these posts. Check it out. It's, it's, it's a circular trap. Now the people who go to Reddit, one of the biggest social media sites in the world, are going to see this and they're going to immediately assume the United States is the only country protesting. So they're going to go on Twitter and they're going to be like, Trump is wrong. Trump is wrong. Meanwhile, regular people are going, what? Dude, I don't want to be locked down anymore. Like, I want to go to the movies. There was a Colorado restaurant 
opened back up in defiance of, of, the, of the governor's executive order. And people flooded inside in, in California, in Miami. They opened up the beaches. People flooded to the beaches and they had to shut them down again. They were shocked. Why are all these people coming to the beaches and flaunting our rules? Regular people don't care. I'll tell you what, man, I think a red wave is coming for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to save that for my 4 p.m. segment. So, uh, you know, again, for those on the podcast, you've already heard it, but let's read the story and see how CNN lied. And we'll start talking more about CNN's lies. And then we'll talk about, man, we got, we got a story about the governor of uh, Michigan, executive decrees. She thinks this is, you know what, man, these, these people are insane if they think this is going to help them out. Reason reports this is Robbie Suave. No, 68% of Americans did not say they would avoid normal life until there's a coronavirus vaccine. Two thirds of Americans said they would not return to normal life until a vaccine becomes available for COVID-19, according to CNN. The ramifications of this finding would be well worth discussing since the timeline for a vaccine is unknowable. It could be available next year in, in three years or never. But it turns out that the headline, 68% of Americans say a vaccine is needed before returning to normal life, new survey finds is fake news. The CNN article cites a Gallup poll as its source, but Gallup did not poll respondents on the question of whether a vaccine was needed before returning to normal life, which was CNN's wording of the question in the headline. The actual question was, how important are each of the following factors to you when thinking about your willingness to return to normal activities? The option availability of a vaccine to prevent COVID-19 was important to 68% of respondents. That's quite different. A vaccine could be very important to people without being absolutely mandatory. And that also means that 32% of people didn't care or cared much less, meaning they'll get right back to work. So here's what we may be seeing. When the restaurants open up, people flood and when the beaches open up, maybe it's that 32% who are just like, I don't care. But the poll didn't say people thought it was mandatory, just important. Dare I say, most people just probably don't care. They're probably thinking it would be great to get a vaccine. But here's the bad news for all of y'all. As I mentioned, Dr. Fauci says might not even work and could actually make the, 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 the wave stronger. If that's true, we have one option. We need to slowly start reopening because the economic devastation is going to be worse. I love it. The media is months behind the rest of us, which is really annoying when you see YouTube prop up these big mainstream channels. We're, in, we're now seeing mainstream media say the economic toll is hurting the poor. Yes, we knew that. You know why? Because, well, most of us who aren't major corporate ivory tower elites are the poor. Now, I'm, I'm certainly not, not trying to argue that I'm poor. I'm saying there are a lot of poor people who are watching CNN confused, saying, you can't do this to me. Stop saying this. Why are you saying this? I lost my job. I can't feed my family. Let me tell you a story, man. I remember back in the, in the 2016 cycle, I saw, uh, I, I can't remember, uh, I think this was just after Donald Trump got elected or something happened. And there was a, yeah, I think this was, no, this wasn't the cycle. This was like 2017 or something. There was a viral video of a middle-aged man who was basically in tears, like welling up because he said that before Donald Trump got elected, his, his, his job was gone. The factory in his town had closed. He had lost his job. They had spent years digging into their savings, their kids' college funds, and that, you know, he didn't know if he was gonna be able to keep his house or whether or not he's gonna be able to feed his family. He said, Donald Trump comes in. And then these factories started reopening again. And he was basically he was basically crying, saying, like, you know, my life has been saved. These are the poor people who had their lives destroyed in these small towns where the factories were leaving. We're heading to China. We're heading to Mexico. 
And Donald Trump came in and stood up for them. That's not, that's not, that's not my words. It's Michael Moore who said that. Michael Moore brought up the fact that Donald Trump went to these auto manufacturers and said, I am going to tax you 30%. No one will ever buy your car again unless you bring them back. And now we're seeing the, the, the car plants are starting to come back. People are getting their jobs back. Is it perfect? No. But a lot of people are reaping those benefits. Now, because of COVID, these jobs are wiped out again. People are starting to realize how good they had it. This is what the Democrats don't seem to understand. Maybe, as some people have pointed out, maybe CNN, they're actually just evil geniuses. You see, CNN's ratings have been in the gutter for a while, and they've slowly been improving. In fact, during COVID, their ratings have been fantastic. So they need this lockdown to continue. Their ratings doubled. Like It's, it's ridiculous how well they're doing now. YouTube puts them on the front page for, you know, important information. And it's, you know, I throw up on my mouth a little bit when I go to YouTube.com and see it because it's gross. It's fake news. And we see it's fake news. So CNN's realized something. Listen, a Donald Trump presidency is cash in the bank, baby. Trump bump. We're talking about the more that Donald Trump, the longer he's in office, the more they can complain about him, the more money they're going to make. And they know it. They love it. That's why you get Brian Stelter going, oh, harumph. Donald Trump, oh, because the resistance people eat it up. They get lulled into a false sense of security where they think they're majority. They then lose and are shocked. That's what we get with stories like this vaccine. CNN convincing these people they're right. Nobody wants to reopen. We see poll after poll after poll saying most Americans don't want to return to normal life. They're scared. I don't buy it. I mean, maybe, but we can see how this one was wrong. We can look at how restaurants reopen. People just show up. A barber shop opened. Line out the door. Beaches open up. People flood the beaches. So CNN knows two things. COVID is a cash mine. They are shoveling piles of cash just out into barrels. They're loving it. The ratings are through the roof. They also know the Trump bump is real. So they got a major advantage here. They can put out very, very awful information pertaining to COVID prolonging the lockdown, increasing their ratings, stabilizing that big bump they get from being propped up. And it also means that when these people who are tricked into believing this nonsense go go out and vote, they lose creating another Trump term. Thus, CNN gets that double Trump bump. Now, I'm, uh, I'm not saying necessarily I believe it's true. I'm just saying some people have pointed out they believe that CNN's doing it on purpose. I think the simple answer is that CNN's completely incompetent And it's more like, you know, every so often someone slips on a banana peel, but then pulls off a perfect backflip. And you're like, wow, how did that happen? I think CNN knows full well that the Trump bump makes them money. But I don't think they're consciously like, how can we attack Trump but help him get reelected? No, I think they're just completely incompetent. What I think we actually see is CNN puts out fake news to make money and it inadvertently helps Donald Trump. I think And I say this somewhat facetiously, CNN is one of Trump's greatest assets. Think about it. Jim Acosta looks like a moron. He looks like a buffoon. And then people who are watching do not resonate with this man. Now, the resistance types do. You know, I got to point out, they call themselves the resistance. And then as soon as you get like Governor Gretchen Whitmer demanding that people obey her by decree, they're like, yes, (laughs) some resistance you got there. But I'll tell you what, these people, watching CNN, believing all this stuff are not the mainstream. They're not, they're not, you know, uh, they're not in reality. They are, they are being tricked by CNN and CNN doesn't care. CNN has become some of the worst fake news ever. Now, I don't, I don't know for sure. A question I often ask is that 
you know, am I the crazy one, right? I think we, we, we would all be good to reflect upon, are we the ones trapped in the bias bubble? And I think the answer is an overwhelming no. You know why? The other day, I, I did a segment, and, and, and I, I may be repeating this because I'm going to do a segment on this later as well. It was 538 who said that Wisconsin's 7th congressional election and California's 25th could signal a blue wave. I thought that story from 538 was so strange. It made no sense to me because I had just done a segment a couple days ago said these elections could signal a red wave. So how could it be that the narrative of the mainstream media and these ivory tower elites is the mirror image to mine? Am I crazy? Am I in the bubble? Ladies and gentlemen, perhaps we are trapped in mirror world and it's actually us. Oh, I'm gonna stop you right there. No, as it turns out, both of those districts swung so heavily for Trump, people threw up. <laughs> I love saying this, by the way, the left threw up in their mouths a little bit. They were shocked. It's a stunning defeat. Now, there's still mail-in ballots that could come in. Things could change. But in CA 25, 538 argued that if, they're comp- if the Democrats are competitive in these red areas, it will signal you know, a victory, a coming blue wave. And I, I said, it's really strange to me that you would argue the potential of a blue wave when all signs point to a red wave. Like, what we're, why, would, why would 538 say that? I honestly have no idea. An honest assessment would be Wisconsin is an overwhelmingly red district swung Trump, uh, for Trump like 20 points. Why would it go blue? Why would a Democrat be competitive at all? Why would you assume that? In California's 25th, they said if the Republicans want to be the first time in 20 years, a Republican flipped this district. And I thought to myself, that's what we're tracking for. Mail-in, mail-in ballots showed a Republican uh, were tracking for a Republican victory. Polls were tracking a Republican victory. Why would 538 argue a blue wave was coming? It seems hopeful and desperate. And guess what? That's exactly what it was. So I, I think what we get here, CNN and these other outlets, maybe, maybe they're, uh, uh, it's like a human centipede, okay? So, sorry for uh, invoking that image in your minds. I'm not going to explain what it is, but you get it. It's basically a bunch of people consuming the refuse of other people. And we're getting gross here, but, but, but it is. CNN comes out and word vomits fake news. Some other activists, you know, resistance types per- person hears that. And it's a game of telephone with no fact checking. You then end up with people on the front page of Reddit influencing a bunch of other people with overt fake news. Now, I'll tell you, what, what do you think happens to the, the person who runs a small business in Los Angeles who is now being told for three more months they have to be locked down? They're probably saying, I don't know. I don't care. I just want my job back. The funny thing about this post over on, uh, over on Reddit, the comments, people, some people accurately pointing out it's not just America. The USA is not the only one with protests is the top comment. Thank you for calling that out. And someone says there have been small scale protests all over Europe, mostly by conspiracy theorists. The protests over the US have not been particularly large for the most part, except for in California, where thousands of people in Huntington Beach came out to protest them shutting down the beach or or the lockdown in general. When thousands of people in California come out and say, dude, no way, I have to wonder why Los Angeles thinks it's the right move. I think it's because they watch fake news. These Democratic politicians are eating the, the, the word vomit of CNN. They don't realize they're in this fringe minority. And that's the point I was making about these two elections. Here's what it comes down to. You see the mainstream media, you see 538 all saying over and over and over again, a blue wave. 
it could signal a blue wave. Good news for Democrats. Republicans are panicking. I say the exact opposite. I say coming red wave. Democrats are panicking. And then what happens? And exactly what I said was going to happen happened. I've been wrong before, right? I was wrong about the 2018 midterm election. So maybe it's just me gloating because I was right about this one. But I think CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, these other big mainstream papers, Washington Post, Vox, they, they put out this information from a particularly biased point of view, and it lulls the left into a false sense of security, into a non, into a fake reality, where they then take actions based on things that just aren't true. Like this post here. Fortunately, someone's calling it out. Other people, uh, look at this. This is true. So many people in my country are going crazy. The gen- generations that are living now, for the most part, have not sacrificed. We are a spoiled society. So one of the other comments points out that when, when it comes to these protests, you know, Americans are spoiled. It's basically the same, the same thing they were saying in, 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 the, in the comment section. Or I'm sorry, it's, it's, they were re- reiterating this, that Americans haven't sacrificed and all that stuff. And it's another re- really, really strange way to view our culture and society. Our, the America, the America is rooted in like, F you, I'll do what I want, kind of. But it's rooted in defiance of unjust laws. So this is what I don't get about this, this point of view they have. It, why would, look, look, look at this quote, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, these executive orders are not a suggestion. They're not optional. They're not helpful hints. Try it. What are you going to do? Well, what's happening now is that apparently there's a, a group, look, look at this, Whitmer is engaged in a political standoff, not only with Mankey, but with a group of armed militia members who have decided to defend Mankey in his barber shop. Yesterday, six troopers came in to enforce the governor's order to issue a cease and desist order. So we are here to make sure he doesn't get arrested, said Owasso resident and militia member Daniel Brewer. We're willing to stand in front of that door and block the entrance so police will have no entry there today. That's getting bold. The American people are saying no to executive decree. So how are these people complaining that Americans are spoiled when it's literally people risking going up against the governor, the state police to defend what they believe in. Nah, it's because the people in cities who are locked down demanding the government give them cash are the ones who are spoiled. In the end, Donald Trump's going to win. That's <laughs> Donald Trump's going to win. Uh, I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. And uh, well, you get it, whatever. CNN lies. I'll see you next time. The Obamagate happening is continuing right now on Twitter, trending number four nationwide. Hashtag subpoena Obama. A big political debate happening between the left and the right over whether or not Obama should be made to answer for what's going on with this, with the implications of the Obamagate scandal. In the meantime, however, a much more important story. Senator Josh Hawley has called for a special counsel to probe the Obama administration, saying the more we learn, the worse it gets. And of course, in the media, what are they doing? It's a debunked conspiracy theory, says Vox. There's no evidence. There's no facts. Even though Joe Biden has even now had to admit he knew about the Flynn investigation. Let me just give you a bit of context for people who are not familiar with what's going on. They may say, Tim, what's Obamagate? Obamagate essentially says that Barack Obama was trying to sabotage Donald Trump's administration as they were transferring power. And the easiest way to enter this, because there's a lot going on, there's a Durham investigation, there's FISA abuse. But the simplest way to explain it is that Michael Flynn, Donald Trump's former national security advisor, was under investigation in the Russia collusion 
investigation, which turned out to be nothing, by the way. The FBI was going to close that investigation, but some FBI agents intervened, keeping it open, presumably with no investigatory basis, and then caught Michael Flynn in a lie. Now, according to notes that were released, they were trying to potentially get him fired, which is not law enforcement related as far as I can tell. Thus, really does seem like this was an attempt to sabotage the Trump administration. But what's crazy about it is that Obama knew and so did Joe Biden. So the question is now coming up. Why did they know? What did they know? What was their level of involvement? And right now, as we now know that Obama knew about this, I believe it is 100% fair to say hashtag subpoena Obama. Because even if he wasn't involved, he can shine some light on this. Why was the FBI digging in, you know, continuing an investigation into a man when they already cleared him? What was the investigatory basis for catching Michael Flynn in a lie? Well, as you know now, there's some uh, contentious debate over whether or not Michael Flynn should have the charges against him dropped. And a judge is now kind of phrasing this for amicus briefs or something to that effect. I'm not going to get into that. Let's talk about what's going on with Senator Josh Hawley. But we do have more, more news in this area. The Wall Street Journal and uh, the New York Post, as well as Fox, are, are just absolutely dragging Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff had been lying for years about evidence in Russiagate, as, as well as many others. I have to wonder, now that we know, due to the transcripts being released in uh, it's the Russiagate testimony for many high-ranking officials of the, from the Obama administration and in, in, uh, in the intelligence community, I wonder to what extent Donald Trump could prove defamation at the very least. But let's read this story and see what's going on with Josh Hawley. Fox News reports, Senator Josh Hawley on Wednesday called for a special counsel to conduct a full-fledged investigation into the Obama administration's potential ties to the FBI's alleged misconduct in, misconduct in the Russia investigation and in the case against former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. The more we learn, the worse it looks, which is why we need a full investigation into what went on. The Republican Missouri lawmaker told Fox and Friends. Hawley said that the Obama administration took unprecedented action to spy on the Trump campaign during the 2016 presidential election, and they misled the FISA court. This, this is all true. It happened. Obamagate. Okay. Now, if you want to argue that Obama directed this, we need more evidence on that, in, in that uh, uh, to, to make that claim. Thus, we have some questions, potential circumstantial evidence. Perhaps it is time to subpoena Obama. A secret court where if you are targeted in an investigation, you don't get to appear in the court. And we know that the Obama FBI deliberately misled FISA court. Well, that's coming from Bill Barr. Right now, what we know from the Horowitz uh, investigation, there was FISA abuse for sure that there was. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. But the reason I I don't want to get too much in the Horowitz stuff is because we're still waiting for the results of the Durham investigation, which is now a criminal probe. So things are about to get really, really spicy, especially if Obama is being dragged into this. Now, before we go on, I got people often ask me this question about my other channel. In the description below, you will see a link, timcast.net. If you haven't already, go there. It's another YouTube channel. I know most of you already know this. I have three or four channels, but many people are confused through the way that YouTube names this. So go to timcast.net. If you haven't already, subscribe to my other channel. I do videos there every day at 4 p.m. Let's keep reading. Fox says, meanwhile, Russia probe files released as part of the Justice Department's move to drop its case against Flynn are raising new questions about a mysterious inauguration day email sent by Flynn's predecessor to the Obama administration's Susan Rice. An exhibit in the DOJ's motion to dismiss the Flynn case last week detailed a special counsel interview with former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates. 
The interview indicated outgoing President Barack Obama was aware of Flynn's intercepted December 2016 phone calls with then Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak during the presidential transition period. The document noted Yates learned about the calls during a January 5th, 2017 Oval Office meeting with Obama, Rice, James Comey, John Brennan, and James Clapper. After the briefing, Obama, they mentioned Biden was there because Biden was there. After the briefing, Obama asked Yates and Comey to stay behind and said he had learned of the information about Flynn and his conversation with Russian ambassador about sanctions. Obama specified that he did not want any additional information on the matter, but was seeking information on whether the White House should be treating Flynn any differently given the information. At that point, the document said Yates had no idea what the president was talking about, but figured it out based on the conversation. Yates recalled Comey mentioning the Logan Act, but can't recall if he specified there was an investigation. Comey did not talk about prosecution in the meeting. Keep in mind, the Logan Act is like, never it's never been really used. It's an archaic law, and it seems to be a desperate attempt to try and do something to jam up the Trump administration. Hawley said that the Senate should conduct an investigation as well in order to give the American people answers. Hawley urged that the Judiciary Committee should hear from former Obama officials under oath. If they won't come, we should subpoena these people so they can look into the eye of the American public and tell everyone what exactly they did. Why did they break these protocols? Why did they authorize spying on the Trump campaign? Why did they lie to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court and try to get wiretaps on Trump affiliates? Why did they break protocol with Flynn and go after him the way they did? The important thing you need to know is that when we're surveilling, you know, foreigners, right, be it this uh, Kislyak guy, they're not supposed to know who the Americans on the call are because Americans have civil rights. We also have constitutional rights. Somehow someone unmasked Michael Flynn's name and thus they made moves against him that shouldn't have happened. The filing to dismiss the Flynn case came after the DOJ determined that the Bureau's 2017 Flynn interview, which formed the basis for his guilty plea of lying to investigators, was conducted without any legitimate investigative basis. The retired Army Lieutenant General for months had been trying to withdraw his plea, aided by a new attorney aggressively challenging the prosecution's case and conduct. Now, the media has absolutely played one of the dirtiest roles in this whole scandal. Fox News says media weren't fooled by Schiff's Russia hoax. They were an essential part of it, says author Lee Smith. Now, I know, I know, not every single journalist, but let me tell you, when Michael Flynn started, you know, came out and said he wanted to withdraw his plea, the media attacked him, said he was a criminal, a crook, that Donald Trump was a crony and all this stuff. We then got new information new evidence was released that shows, yes, it seems to be absolutely, you know, uh, malicious what, what they did to Michael Flynn. The note that said, why do what? What's the goal of the investigation to get him to lie so he can prosecute or get him fired? That right there should show you it was malicious intent. Get him fired. Come on, man. You cannot deny that. And what did the media do? The media went after Flynn, accusing him of everything, siding against the president, as always. And then evidence comes out showing, well, they were wrong again. I can't I can't understand why they're why the Democrats and the media just are wrong all the time but perhaps because they have no choice. I mean, they were wrong about Russia. They were wrong about Ukraine. They were wrong about China. They were wrong about Justice Smollett. They were wrong about Covington. They were wrong, wrong, wrong. They were wrong in 2016. They are wrong again. And, and more and more information comes out. They were wrong about Devin Nunes, who in 2018 said there was FISA abuse and they attacked him for it saying, no, no, no. And then what happens? Horowitz comes out. Mm, actually, Devin Nunes was right. The media, as far as I can tell, is either the, like, listen, George Carlin said, 
Think about how stupid the average person is. Now realize half of them are stupider than that. Now, you've got to convince me that the media is in the bottom bracket at the back of the bell curve, that every single journalist, every major news organization is well below the average person's intelligence. I'm not going to buy it. While I will fully admit many of these journalists are dumb as rocks, I think many of them knew what they were doing and still do. Let's read a little bit of the story from Fox News. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff played magician by claiming there was Russian collusion without clear evidence. And the media helped push the narrative for three years. Journalist and author Lee Smith argued on Tuesday, the press played magician's assistant, helping Schiff obscure what was going on for three years. The author of the plot against the president told Fox, uh, Fox and Friends. Smith said it was sad that Schiff's Russia collusion narrative was pushed so heavily by the media. He also said that while a lot of very important press institutions hold the same name, they no longer serve the purpose they had over a decade ago. What they are now, again, they are operate, uh, th- th- these are operations to help sustain democratic policies. And that's exactly the point of collusion. If you were wondering why for three years, Adam Schiff kept talking about collusion, hiding in plain sight, and the media never called him out. The main purpose of collusion was to, uh, was to play to block President Trump's agenda. I think it was more than that. I think one of the major benefits, be it intentional or not, was that Donald Trump could not purge the swamp, the permanent government, the deep state, whatever you want to call it. Here's how it works. There are people who work for the intelligence community, and they're there between administrations. So I've often brought up one of the biggest problems with foreign policy, that we go to war with these, you know, Middle Eastern countries and and other areas of the world. See, what happens is Barack Obama, for instance, he gets elected and he says, I'm going to pull us out of, uh, you know, Iraq and all that stuff. They hand him a folder and say, here's what's happening. And he goes, okay, we're going to stay. We're going to keep making, you know, we're going to keep going. We're going to make it worse. And then, you know, Obama ends up bolstering our Middle Eastern presence to to a certain degree. And my my argument has often been, it's because the position controls you. But the, the other way to look at it is that you have people who work in intelligence who are controlling and dictating policy through their perspective, whether or not they're elected, they're still there. Well, Donald Trump wanted to drain the swamp. He wanted to come in, get rid of a lot of these people. He couldn't. You know why? He was under investigation and any move he made was considered obstruction of justice. So here you have all of these holdovers and none of them could be purged. Barack Obama fired tons of people when he first came into office. Donald Trump couldn't because everyone was arguing that every movie made was an attempt to cover up a crime, a crime that never existed. And we now know and we've known, I mean, to be honest, it's completely bunk, but more evidence has come out. Fox was on to say, Smith's comments came after he wrote a New York Post op-ed. Adam Schiff lied about the Trump investigation and the media let him, arguing that the media backed Schiff's Russia collusion narrative without concrete evidence. As the grand impresario of collusion, Schiff has filled print and broadcast media since January 2017, claiming that he has seen more than circumstantial evidence of a Trump-Putin conspiracy. Obviously, there was none in the transcripts, or he'd have pulled back the curtain years ago. But Schiff didn't want to hand control of the narrative to one of Trump's most effective deputies. So on Thursday, they finally went live, he wrote, adding that the tragic fact is that once prestigious press organizations, including CNN, as well as MSNBC, The New York Times, and The Washington Post weren't fooled by the collusion hoax, they were an essential part of it. Last week, the DOJ announced it had dismissed its case against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who was accused of lying to the FBI about contacts with Russia. It was a stunning development that came after internal memos were released, raising serious questions about the nature of the investigation that led to Flynn's late 2017 guilty plea of lying to the FBI. 
Smith said that the media pushed the Russia collusion narrative to damage Trump's presidency from the outset. At the very least, to obstruct and block Trump's agenda, since a lot of that agenda had to do with reversing the different initiatives that Barack Obama proposed. Things like the Iran deal, open borders, things like this. The purpose of the collusion narrative was to hold down the administration. Lee Zeldin, a couple days ago, called for Adam Schiff's resignation. So certainly there are people who are not sitting back while this is going on. The Wall Street Journal, for instance, says all the Adam Schiff transcripts, newly released documents show he knew all along that there was no proof of Russia Trump collusion. The editorial board yesterday night. But we knew this. We knew Adam Schiff was lying. We now have the receipts he was lying. Will anything come of this? I think the answer is no. This is one of the scariest things as we enter now into this election cycle. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how my view has changed. Policy wise, I've always been a rather lefty person. Um, when I take the political compass test, for instance, I'm like, the jo- I, I did a political compass test video uh, several months ago, and I made the joke that I was a communist because I'm like really libertarian left. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty out there, right? And I won't vote for Democrats at this point. I will not vote for a Democratic congressperson, senator, president. Nah, it's just absolutely not going to happen. And you know why? It has nothing to do with policies at this point. And I think everyone gets it. And that's where it kind of breaks down as to what a, a liberal or a conservative is. My fear comes after the 2018 midterms and what we saw. First of all, I live really, I'm I'm seriously like a block or two away. Uh, Okay, literally like half a mile from Jeff Van Drew's district. This is the Democrat who became a Republican who flipped. Uh, Donald Trump did a a rally in his his district and it was massive. It was insane. My fear, when you see all these Democrat moderates come out and they say, we're not like the other Democrats. We're not here to just bicker about Trump and and push this nonsense. We're going to fight for these issues. As soon as those districts flipped, giving the House majority to Democrats, that was the push they need to force the impeachment scandal through. It was a hoax. They tried to impeach Trump. We knew it wouldn't work. There was nothing there. What is going on with the Democrats? They've lost their minds. Now I'm between a rock and a hard place. I really, really am worried about people like Adam Schiff being given more power. So long as the Democrats have the majority of the House, Adam Schiff is empowered. And the only way to actually stop him, this deceiver, this deceitful individual, this, uh, as Tucker Carlson says, this sociopath, the only way to stop him is to make sure that Democrats do not have the House majority, which creates a very awkward position for someone like me and the people I know. Like my buddy Adam, for instance, is a pretty lefty dude. And he just, he came out on the show on the IRL podcast saying he was going to straight up vote for Trump. And I'm like, well, well, hold on, hold on. You know, there might be another Democratic nominee. Let's, Let's be honest. At this point, I don't think there's any safe bet in voting for any Democrat because you empower people like Schiff. That scares me. You empower people like Pelosi. That scares me. I don't like Mitch McConnell, but I'll tell you what, there are a couple of Republicans I do like, even though I disagree with them. And this is the strange position for independent voters, for left-leaning moderates. Right now, independents are favoring Trump according to a few different polls. These are people like me, most likely, who don't, for the most part, like Donald Trump as a president. He's a funny guy. I admit he's a great entertainer. He's a funny guy, self-deprecating. But would, would, would I, like, if I, had a cho- if I could choose anybody for president, would I choose him? Probably not. To be honest, I don't necessarily know who I would pick, although I was a big fan of Yang because Yang had a bunch of really great policy ideas. My position now is we're looking at Joe Biden, lunatic, like the dude's brain is just shattered. And they're actually entertaining this guy being president. And I'm like, listen, man, Donald Trump is, is crafty. He speaks kind of weird. I don't think he's the smartest guy in the world, 
He's not stupid. He's certainly very smart. I'm just saying he's not like, you know, they, they say he's a super genius 4D chess. Eh, he's got good people around him. He's smarter than, than most people. He knows how to succeed. He made the economy work. He's got a, a lot of great things behind him. But he's got, he's got a, lot, a lot of character defects, to say the least. Professionalism matters, uh, um, you know, uh, decorum, things like this. Trump is certainly uncouth. Should that be disqualifying? Probably not. But I'll tell you what, if I had the choice of someone with a lot of Trump's policies and a more professional demeanor, I'd, I'd happily choose the, the, you know, the other person. But when faced with Joe Biden, it's, 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 there's no question. Like, I mean, Joe Biden cannot be president. Does that mean I would vote for Trump? We'll see. But I'm getting, I'm getting more and more worried. The more this information comes out, the more concerned I am with Democrats retaining power. This creates a very uncomfortable position of voting for the lesser of two evils. Now, when it comes to the president, it's very different. But when it comes to Congress, there's, uh, it, when it comes to Congress versus presidency, they're very different circumstances. Congress, to me, is very, very worrisome. The only reason Adam Schiff was able to do what he did was because the Democrats took control of the House. That's why impeachment went through. That's why our time was wasted. That's why these lies persisted for three years, lies that are now proven to be false. Do we need a special counsel investigation into Obama? I got to be honest, I am not enthusiastic about that. I would not call for that myself. I am sick of it. I'm done with it. The problem is, if it's true they really did these things and I was willing to entertain an investigation against Trump, it would be unfair to deny an investigation against Obama if that's what the, the Trump supporters are calling for. To put it simply, I wouldn't want the investigation against Trump and I wouldn't want the investigation against Obama. But the investigation against Trump happened. It was bunk. It was three years of lies. Adam Schiff lied. The Democrats lied. The media lied. Now, now Trump supporters, conservatives are saying we need an investigation of this new evidence against Obama. And as much as I don't like it because I'm sick of this stuff, it's getting nothing done. I think it has to happen. I do. Uh, if it turns out that Obama knew these things and he testifies, well, just like they said about Trump, if they've got nothing to worry about, they can testify and it'll be fine, right? Now, personally, I disagree with that logic, but we do have a problem of something malicious was happening and we need to know why. And if they were going to investigate Trump, well, Trump has been, for the most part, cleared, even though these people never want to give it up. They're going to claim he wasn't. I think we have to, I think we have to know. So I'll throw my, 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 my hat in the ring, my beanie, into the subpoena Obama camp. Not that I think I have definitive evidence of anything nasty about Obama. I think there's some weird questions that need to be answered for. And I think Obama and his, and his administration should testify. Josh Hawley is calling for it. Let's see if the Republicans have the... Uh, force of will to actually get the job done. One of the biggest problems in, early, in, in Trump's early presidency was spineless Republicans who refused to uphold the rule of law. There's been some people calling out people like Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Lindsey Graham, in my opinion, has been so just terribly ineffective. Look, man, never been a fan of the Republicans. Don't, you know, never been a fan of Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham. Many of these people, there's a, there's a small, you know, group. There's like Dan Crenshaw. There's like Rand Paul. I think they're good dudes. Uh, Josh Hawley seems to be a pretty good dude. And I, I probably disagree with them on core fundamental issues. But at this point, when you've seen what Adam Schiff has done, when you see what the Democrats do, we are, we are, we are living in objective reality. They're not. I know they'll claim they are too, but listen, man, Russiagate for three years, let me ask you a question. If you are a Democrat and you think you're on the right side, let me ask you about Russiagate. Nothing. Ukrainegate. Nothing. Impeachment. Nothing. The China accusations. Maybe you missed that one. They claim uh, Trump was colluding with China. That fell apart in a week. 
How about Jesse Smollett? How about Covington? How many times do you have to be wrong before you say, okay, maybe I'm on the wrong side. Maybe these people are lying to me. They still believe it. The transcripts prove there was no evidence that these people who were going on TV saying Russia, Russia, Russia were lying. We now know they were lying. We have definitive proof they were lying. Stop believing them. You know what? You got your emotional barriers up and you just hate the president. I don't care. I'm not playing that game. These people have lied endlessly. I refuse to empower them at all with my vote. And, and you know what? I don't know what that means come November. We'll find out. I'm, 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 this stuff makes me angry, huh? Can you tell? Stick around. Next segment's coming up. Go to, uh, at 4 p.m., go to timcast.net and you will see a big, beautiful channel for those that aren't familiar. And there's going to be a video at 4 p.m. about uh, the Democrats. I'll see you then. Proving that we are truly living in some kind of satirical clown world parody, simulation, whatever, CNN is putting Greta Thunberg on a coronavirus panel to talk about facts and fears. And I, along with many others, question why (laughs) Yashir Ali is far from a conservative. He's a New York Magazine HuffPost contributor asking, what place does Greta Thunberg have in this town hall? I agree. Now, of course, the criticism typically will come from conservatives because mainstream media is trash. We can see this story from the Washington Examiner. Beyond parody, CNN taps Greta Thunberg for expert coronavirus panel. That's it. I'm done. Come on. How do you top this? How old is she? 17, 18? Come on, man. Even, Even Fauci has been wrong on many issues, okay? And we accept that. I know a lot of people don't, but look, not everybody knows exactly what's going on. People try their best. And even the best expert we supposedly have, the most trustworthy, has been wrong several times. Why would they get Greta Thunberg of all people? I would much prefer, listen, open a phone book. I know they're hard to find. Find one. Oh, or, or a, a yellow, a white, wait, no, yellow pages. Find doctor. Get that person over Greta Thunberg. This is just getting silly. Let's read. And there's more. Because in keeping in line with the absurdities of having non-experts serve in these roles, Ocasio-Cortez will be Joe Biden's climate change advisor. What? Ah, you know what, man? It's a joke. The whole thing is one bad joke, isn't it? The Examiner writes, the brave, hard-hitting journalists over at CNN are hosting a town hall Thursday evening on coronavirus facts and fears. Our First Amendment warriors are only bringing viewers the best of experts such as former CDC director Richard Besser, former HHS secretary Kathleen Sebelius, and teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg. You literally cannot make this stuff up. This would be a masterful parody. It could have been one of the Babylon Bee's finest works. Yet no, this is the actual, the actually, this is actually the reality of CNN 2020. I wanted to say that. Seriously, Babylon Bee, you can't top this, man. I'm sorry. You know, I know you try. No, Babylon Bee is great. They're really funny. But like, let's be real. If the Babylon Bee wrote an article that said Greta Thunberg tapped as coronavirus expert, we would all laugh And CNN's actually done it. There are almost no words for how ridiculous this is. Anchor Chris Cuomo has touted CNN as the facts first network. Reliable sources, ironic, host Brian Seltzer regularly tut tuts Fox News, sometimes justifiably, for having unqualified guests speaking on expert subjects. But at least they don't tell their viewers to take their coronavirus wisdom from 17-year-old troubled teenagers. The same liberal journalists who have scolded the American people for so much as questioning the wisdom 
of the federal government's top coronavirus experts, such as Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, are now literally telling people to get their scientific analysis from Greta Thunberg. Now, look, I don't know to what extent they'll have her on as an expert panelist. Maybe she'll be talking about climate change, which is what a lot of a lot of us want. But let's be real, man. She's not even an expert on climate change. She barely knows what she's talking about. Her only qualification is that she skipped school. Come on. Look, I, I, I dropped out of high school. So I'm the, I'm the last person who should be criticizing Greta Thunberg. But criticism directed at her being put up at the UN and the national stage in CNN when she didn't go to school for anything is, is fair criticism. Because what I can criticize is I'm not a climate change expert. I'm not going to go on a climate change panel and I'm not going to go on a coronavirus panel either. Why should she? It's because CNN is performance art. It is art. It is not. It's reality television. And I got I got to do this. I got I got to issue the rare apology and, and correction. See, recently I associated uh, I compared Brian Stelter to Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians. And that is horribly unfair to the Kardashians because they're actually rather successful and CNN's Brian Stelter is marginally successful. So I did mention before, maybe he was a lesser Kardashian, but that's not fair either because the Kardashians, it's a huge show, man. People love that stuff. Brian Stelter's ratings are nowhere near as good. So perhaps they're more of like a season four of the Real Housewives of New Jersey as it CNN is. And maybe that's not even fair either. CNN is just its own brand of performative fake news. That's why they're getting, getting Greta Thunberg. They're pandering to the woke resistance left. This makes no sense. They could have gotten any random doctor. They could have not had her at all. Here's, here's what they go on to say. To be clear, you shouldn't hold contempt for Thunberg. You should feel bad for her. She is a deeply troubled young woman with a long history of struggles with depression, OCD, eating disorders, bullying, and more. And, and that's true. Sadly, she has latched onto an alarmist ascientific doomsday tale of pending climate apocalypse as a way of coping. Now, I'm going to qualify that. I believe that climate change is a very serious issue. But what you got to understand about Thunberg is that she's the one who said like different timelines, like we only have eight years. How dare you? We only have 12 years. That, that's that's completely absurd. You know, what we've heard from AOC and Greta Thunberg has been extremely alarmist and ascientific. While it's fair to point out that what they present is, is extreme and ascientific, I think it's fair to mention that scientists do believe climate change is a serious issue. I, I, I agree. I think we got to take action. I would love to see, you know, uh, you know what? I got to stop right now. Donald Trump apparently signed some major solar initiative. What am I going to complain about? There we go. Regardless of whether or not you do or don't believe in climate change, let's see some real action get done. It can benefit the economy. It can benefit the climate. I think it's great. Or or, uh, the environment. That's what's happening. But AOC and, and Thunberg have pushed like fringe weirdo theories, like doomsday predictions about a decade left before irreparable damage has caused the planet. And scientists have actually pushed back on that, saying that it's actually much lighter than that. It's like we have 12 years to make a change now. Otherwise, changes will start occurring. It's like, but the problem with this is every every decade we get the same thing where they're like, if we don't get it done by 1980, if we don't get it done by 1990, by 2000, by 2010, by 2020, and they just keep saying it over and over again. That's why this is ridiculous. But moving on, well, let's read the conclusion. They say, this isn't what you're supposed to get from CNN. Supposedly the facts first network. This is the kind of thing you're supposed to read in The Onion. But increasingly, it's hard to tell the two apart. Yeah. And The Onion is pretty good. But I got to tell you, the Babylon Bee has really been hitting it out of the park. Way better than The Onion. But in terms, uh, in, in the same vein of bringing on people with no expertise in, in advisory roles, we have this story. 
Ocasio-Cortez to be Biden's climate change advisor. You know what, man? It's like they don't want to win. AOC is deeply unpopular in swing states. What, what, is, what are they doing? It's like a joke. It really does feel like a joke. I feel like the comedian in Watchmen being like, the whole thing was just one big joke. It's like, yeah, we figured it out. Joe Biden was never meant to be the real nominee. They don't want a real nominee. I'm imagining a bunch of DNC people in suits. They're like in their you know early 30s, are sitting in a room with cigars. And then one guy's like, and then we'll pick Joe Biden. <laughs> and they all start laughing. And the other guy's like, dude, 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 no, I got an idea. Let's, let's, let's get AOC to be a climate change advisor. And then they're all laughing and they're like, you know, I'll keep it family friendly. <laughs> they're doing adult things. Uh, I'm, I'm referencing drugs. There you go. Uh, I won't get into this, those analogies. But anyway, the point is, it's, this is ridiculous. It's like a big prank on all of us, or the Democrats at least, because Trump's going to win. Like this is not, let me read. Democratic New York rep Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is slated to co-chair a task force to advise presumptive Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden on climate change policy. Oh yes, because, because her expertise as a bartender qualifies her to discuss climate change. No, I'm not dragging her for being a bartender. I'm pointing out that I, a high school dropout YouTube commentator, am not qualified to talk about climate change for a presidential nominee, nor is Ocasio-Cortez, congressional Democrat and former bartender. I got no problem with her being a bartender. I think it's awesome, actually. It shows that anyone, any American can run for office and represent their district. I am bringing up, however, that it, it, it proves she is in no way qualified to discuss matters of climate change. Joe Biden could have picked any one of the litany of climate change experts as his advisor. But what he wanted was brand power. He wanted social media followers. And he desperately wants to convince the woke left and the resistance left that he's progressive. It won't work. They don't like AOC for the, to, to, to varying degrees. They don't like her because AOC has very much backpedaled and gone very mainstream. But this is as desperate as they come. Biden confirmed Tuesday that he is working to bring Sanders supporters on board for the November election. And he asked Ocasio-Cortez to take an active role in his campaign on a panel, although he did not specifically refer to her role as co-chair of the climate change task force. Well, AOC tweeted this out, basically confirming it. I'm working with Bernie and with his people. And so, and we've made some changes. We've listened to Bernie supporters. And, you know, for example, we have Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. She is one, uh, she is on one of the panels. I think we're going to have a very united party. Last week, the congresswoman seemed to express some level of support for Biden accuser Tara Reid. It certainly seems as though something has happened. I'm not sure. AOC told NPR about the incident. In mid-April, the congresswoman said it is legitimate to discuss Reid's accusations. I don't care about talking about Reid. I care about talking about a bunch of Democrats and leftists and media who are propping up people who are not experts to talk about issues that discredit the whole thing. I'll tell you what. You want to talk about climate change, Joe Biden? Get an expert, get a scientist, okay? Because you got to convince people. And I I tell you what, getting a a young freshman congresswoman to to talk, it's no one. No, I'm sorry, man. People aren't going to take her seriously. It will only discredit that message. But I get it. You want votes. Same thing with Greta Thunberg. If you want to convince people and explain to them the facts about COVID, the last thing you need to do is bring on a contentious young woman whose only qualification is that she skipped school to complain about the environment. While I can respect protest, okay, she is not an expert on anything. But this is what we get. This is the world we live in. It's almost fun and funny until you realize these people are impacting policy that will affect how you live and how you work and what you can spend money on. And uh, (laughs) it's not going to be fun, is it? I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I'll see you all shortly.
I know, I know I'm going to be a little bit hyperbolic on this one, but I'm just going to roll with it. Los Angeles will never be completely open until we have a cure, says Mayor Eric Garcetti. Let me just stress, he is saying that Los Angeles will never be completely open, period. You, we, you don't cure viruses in that respect. I don't, I don't, a vaccine, I understand. I get what he was trying to say. But let's just be honest. He's basically saying we're never going to reopen, even when it comes to a vaccine. Let's, let's, okay, okay, I'll, I'll stop. I won't be so uh, over the top. LA will never be completely open until we have a cure. The only problem, even if he really means vaccine, Fauci straight up said, there's no guarantee that a vaccine is actually going to be effective. So congratulations, Los Angeles. It's not just summer being canceled. Everything is being canceled forever until we can start curing viruses. Well, you know what, man, as hospital workers lose their jobs by the millions, a million plus hospital workers have lost their jobs. Unemployment cracks 33 million. We start to realize this makes no sense. And something is clearly wrong with these people. Look, man, I understand we got we got we got this uh, high infection rate, meaning the mortality rate plus infection means a lot of people are going to lose their lives. I want to make sure we protect people. I think it's also fair to point out if Dr. Fauci is saying a vaccine may not even work, then why are we going to just lock down indefinitely? Now, that sounds nuts, doesn't it? Because people are going to starve to death. People are going to leave. Let's read the story from the Daily Mail. The mayor of L.A. has sent a terrifying warning to Angelinos that L.A. will never be completely open until we have a cure one day after the county health director extended its lockdown by three months. Summer's officially canceled, everybody. Mayor Eric Garcetti gave a rambling interview with Good Morning America in which he attempted to play down the lockdown extension through, uh, through to August, but sparked yet further confusion among angry residents over when it will reopen. Garcetti backpedaled on comments made by L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer on Tuesday. She said stay-at-home orders in L.A. will with all certainty, be extended for the next three months. He said all, all she had meant was for people to cover our faces, physically distance, and that you're safest working from and staying home. But the mayor then went on to say that LA will never be completely open until we have a cure, something that medical experts have warned could take a long time. He basically just like doubled down on the point she was making, saying, no, 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 it's not three months. Everyone calm down. It's forever. <laughs> We're not going to reopen. No haircuts for you. This came hot on the heels of Garcetti's equally confusing comments Tuesday, where he urged people not to panic and that it is not the case that L.A. will uh, will stay exactly as we are for three months before adding. I think we know it's going to be longer than three months. What? <laughs> Dude, get out of L.A., man. If you still live in California, I don't know what to tell you, man. You got the homeless problem. You got drugs. You got filthy. You got Democratic supermajority that can't solve any of these problems. And now the mayor is locking down for three months. There's no, there's no real timeline. He's saying, no, it's going to be longer than that. We need a cure. Okay, man, if you want to live there, I got no beef. It's a free country, right? I left a long time ago. California Governor Gavin Newsom has allowed individual counties to implement their own lockdown measures based on the state of the pandemic in their areas. And Garcetti first issued the safer at home emergency order on March 19th. LA continues to see a spike in coronavirus cases and deaths, with the county announcing another 961 cases. Despite LA continuing to be hard hit by the outbreak, Angelinos have grown increasingly frustrated, with anti-lockdown protesters gathering outside Garcetti's home demanding an end to stay-at-home orders. The confusing messaging from officials has now fueled tensions further this week, with many residents taking to social media to voice their anger over the lack of clarity. 
Speaking to Good Morning America, Garcetti stopped short of denying reports that LA will be shuttered until August, but insisted Ferrer's comments were taken out of context. I think we have to, uh, we have to all recognize that we are not moving beyond COVID-19. We're learning to live with it. It's important not to really over- overreact, but it's important to take this serious because it's as dangerous today as it was the first day it arrived in our cities and our country. So quite frankly, there's no so-called open state or open country that doesn't continue to have health orders telling us to cover our faces, physically distance, and to tell people that you're safest working from, uh, working from and staying home. That's all the county health director was saying. And we can't expect that to disappear in a matter of weeks or even months. Okay, okay, okay. That's fair. Let me point this out. Let me, let, let me, let me be fair. What he's saying is things may return to a somewhat normalcy. Businesses will be reopened, but everyone's going to be social distancing. I don't think people are going to necessarily stand for that for the most part, but I'll tell you what. I think if we're locked down for a couple more months, then a lot of people are going to accept this as a new normal. And they're just going, and, and, and then you will see masks forever, gloves forever, social distancing. The weird thing to me is that the data we've seen suggests that while this is worse than you know the flu, I know a lot of people, uh, I've gotten some messages from people, I'll give you clarity. Listen, it's a novel virus meaning it's likely to infect a lot of people. There's no herd immunity. It will spread very, very fast. And even though the mortality, the case uh, fatality rate is low because of the high, infe- the high likelihood of infection, we will see substantially more people lose their lives. This is why we're taking it so seriously. I get that it makes sense. But based on what we've seen so far in many different jurisdictions in many states, particularly South Dakota, I think everyone is freaking out, overreacting to an absurd degree. There are certain things we can do based on some studies we've seen, notably canceling large public gatherings like concerts and things like that. But allowing people to go back to their normal daily lives, you don't need masks or gloves. That's what seems to be rational. Now, I know YouTube is going to get mad at me, but let me clarify that the CDC had recently put out a study suggesting that masks did nothing to stop the spread of influenza. It could be different for coronavirus. But I think the reality is studies we've seen have shown what we need to do is socially distance wash our hands, and no large gatherings. I think closing schools helped too. It's very, very different from where we are today. And them saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to do all this stuff indefinitely. That, that to me is, is shocking and makes no sense. Certainly at, a, at, at some point there will be herd immunity. Maybe not. Maybe this is just a freaky virus. And it's, uh, listen, let, 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 let me, look, if we're really talking about a virus that never goes away, that you can't become immune to, like, is this the apocalypse? Are people going to have to like hide in their homes forever? Will, will humanity forever be changed by this? Because this seems like an apocalyptic level event. I don't mean the world is ending, but I mean like a virus that can never be stopped. That sounds freaky. Now, listen, even if they're saying we ought to wait till the vaccine, this is the important factor. And you may, you may have heard me mention this briefly in a segment, uh, but I actually go through it. I want to read this for you. Fauci says there's no guarantee the vaccine could even work. So what? So Los Angeles is just permalocked? CNBC says, as drug makers across the world race to develop a coronavirus vaccine, White House health advisor Dr. Fauci said there's no guarantee the vaccine is actually going to be effective. Fauci delivered the somber warning Tuesday to the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions during a hearing about the road to reopening businesses across the nation. U.S. officials have pointed to the development of a vaccine as a key turning point in the COVID-19 pandemic, even though it will take at least 12 to 18 months. As experimental vaccines are created, They will also need to be mass produced to be administered to the more than 7.6 billion people around the world. In the meantime, there are no proven treatments for the virus. Fauci's comments highlight another complexity in the path to a vaccine. He said, uh, quote, 
You can have everything you think that's in place and you don't induce the kind of immune response that turns out to be protective and durably uh, durably protective, Fauci said of a vaccine. Some of the big unknowns is, will it be effective? Given the way the body responds to viruses of this type, I'm cautiously optimistic that we will, we, uh, we will, with one of the candidates, get an efficacy signal. The National Institutes of Health, an agency within the Department of Health and Human Services, has been fast-tracking work with biotech company Moderna to develop a potential vaccine. More than 100 vaccines are in development globally as of April 30th, according to the World Health Organization, with at least eight vaccine candidates already in human trials. Now, the good news is we only need one. We have a bunch of different comp- companies working on it. And not every single person on the planet needs to be vaccinated. A lot of people seem to misunderstand, particularly CNBC or whatever. We just need most people or actually not even most, many people to be vaccinated because that creates herd immunity and it breaks down the ability of the virus to spread. More importantly, most people experience moderate symptoms. So it's not even that big of a deal once we get to some level of herd immunity. Once we're at a point where it's comparable to the flu, we will take it seriously we're going to have updates every year, just like a flu season. We'll probably have a, a coronavirus season. And I think that's the thing that needs to be, uh, people need to take away from this. It, it doesn't make sense to me that, that LA is saying we're going, to, we're going to do this, you know, until there's a cure because we have no cure for the flu. We can vaccinate against some strains of it, but it's still there. You can still get it. And people don't go around wearing masks. Now, I know this isn't the flu. The difference is it's novel. I understand. Calm down, everybody. Stop, you know, lower your pitchforks. YouTube, get your finger off the band button. What I'm saying is, in the next year or so, this will be presumably, based on all of this data, seemingly more like the flu, potentially a little bit worse, maybe just different. In which case, it'll just be COVID season and a certain amount of people will get it and most people won't. And like the flu, it will cause a loss of life that will be in the tens of thousands. These things happen. Right now, we're dealing with something new, which means everyone's getting it. So the lockdown made sense. Now it doesn't make so much sense, especially if you're saying the vaccine might not even work. People are starving. They're losing their jobs. They can't pay their bills. It's, it's, it's devastating to a lot of people. And they're starting to freak out. So for the sake of social stability, for the sake of people, people's ability to eat and have jobs, we need to introduce some kind of reopening fast. It doesn't make sense for California to push this lockdown for another three months, especially right now. California, I believe, has like 1,500 deaths out of what, 13 million people in the LA County area. So perhaps the best thing we can do is, like I stated earlier, the studies have shown no big gatherings, Maybe, maybe no, no, no uh, grade schools, maybe more homeschooling and social distancing. That's the best thing we can do. But hey, LA, I have a feeling they're going to lock you down forever. You know why? Because they don't want to deal with it. So long as nothing happens, I don't care. What are they going to do? You know, what, 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 are they, what do they think is worse than it's going to happen? LA has, has it a much, much easier, whether it's the right thing to do or not, it's easier for the government. And you will see them take the path of least resistance for themselves, not for you. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. For the past couple of months, there's been something really, really interesting happening with Instagram influencers. They've started to become much more right wing in cultural politics. Now, of course, BuzzFeed and many of these lefty blogs will call it uh, far right conspiracy theories and things of that nature. And some of them are. Take a look at this story from BuzzFeed. Lifestyle influencers are now sharing some bogus far-right conspiracy theories about the coronavirus on Instagram. If 2020 wasn't weird enough, let's throw radicalized influencers into the mix. Radicalized. Okay, well, let's jump to the future. Maybe we'll come back to this. Taylor Lorenz uh, writes for the New York Times, and she tweeted, are you even an Instagram influencer if you haven't posted the full pandemic video to your millions of followers this week? 
Well, that's a bold statement. How many people are actually doing this? I don't know. But check it out. She says, another one with 2.3 million followers. Carmelo Rose spent yesterday posting about Obamagate, the pandemic video promoting anti-vax content in between photos and videos of herself. I am no fan of the anti-vax stuff. I do not like the pandemic video. I certainly don't think it should be banned. They're making it worse by doing so. But it's really strange to see these influencers basically on the cultural right. Now, I don't think it's fair to, to claim. Look, I'll clarify this. Not everybody on the cultural right believes this stuff. I think most don't. But there are high profile people who do. And it's weird to see these influencers go from being lefties to being right in a sense. This is what we see from this tweet from Taylor Lorenz. Check this out. The evolution of LA resistance influencers to full on conspiracy theorists is something to watch. Here's one influencer just two years ago posing in Ruth Bader Ginsburg socks, calling herself a nasty woman, posting about feminism and male privilege. Take a look at these images. Here's, here's her wearing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, here's one that says, uh, pussy, not war. Tall, straight, white bros care too, whatever that's supposed to mean. And here's her saying, I voted. You're a nasty and you voted double tap, whatever, flex your female. She says, here she is today posting a steady stream of content promoting COVID-19 and 5G conspiracies, QAnon, anti-vax messaging, and censorship about the pandemic. She even launched a YouTube channel to share this truth with others. Now, perhaps, as many, many are suggesting, perhaps she's just grifting. Is that it? No. Taylor actually says they believe this stuff. Check this out. Steven Sinofsky says, if you keep posting these, you're going to make me think all these influencers care about is traffic. Ha ha. Taylor says, that's not it, though. Many of them really, truly believe this stuff now. They aren't being paid to post about it. It's organic and they don't care who unfollows because they view those people as asleep to the truth. 5G, as far as I can tell, does not cause coronavirus. Please stop. You know what, man? Listen, I was, uh, um, I've, I've been working with cell stuff because I used to do a lot of live streaming on the ground, but not as much as I used to. But boy, can I tell you when there were 3G modifications, 4G was coming out. I didn't hear the end of it. The same things. Oh no, the 4G, it's going to cause all these things. And I was like, bro, can you tell me anything about what 4G is? They didn't even know what it was. They had no idea what the GSM standard was, which H- high spec- high-speed packet access was, HSPA+. plus. They didn't know what WiMAX was. They didn't know what LTE was. They knew none of this, but they were convinced. And now it's even worse. Now they have no idea what 5G is, but many people are convinced. Please, man, just chill out. There are countries that don't have 5G that are experiencing coronavirus. This is weird. But these people really believe it. Okay, they really, really believe this stuff. That's the that's the interesting point being made here. Taylor Lorenz is pointing out they're not grifting. They legit believe this stuff. So what happened to this woman where she was full on resistance, anti-Trump? Now she's gone so far in the other direction. I'll tell you what, man, one thing for sure, censorship does this. Censorship hyperpolarizes. This is what bothers me about Reddit, about YouTube. You know what, man? Twitter, uh, Twitter isn't, is, is, is getting better in some regards. But when you start censoring and you drive high profile people to other platforms, you create two options, all the way polarized on one direction, all the way polarized on the other direction. There's no nuanced debate. Now, Reddit is the worst. Reddit is terrifying in how bad it is. When Reddit started censoring right-wing opinion and stuff like this, 
it meant that, you know, the way the way Reddit works is the, if you're upvoted beyond a certain point, your post rises. If you're downvoted, your post goes away, meaning it's very, very easy to upset the balance and create a polarized swing in one direction. You then end up with people in certain communities only being exposed to fringe extreme opinion. I can't tell you what caused all this. It's really, really strange. Check this out. This is the woman apparently on Instagram, 102,000 followers. If you don't believe censorship is happening, I have something to show you. Swipe left. Hey, it is happening. And it convinces many of these people that they're right. The worst thing they could have done was ban Plandemic. The best thing they could have done was put a link below the video like they've done for other videos. I don't completely agree with that response either, but it's better than the alternative. When YouTube started purging doctors talking about COVID and their beliefs, then people started getting suspicious. You then see videos like Plandemic arise, which is loaded with conjecture and, you know, like just false claims, opinion. It's an interview, people. Listen, go, go to scnr.com, scanner, right? Previously Subverse. It is my news company. We, uh, it is editorially independent from me. The crew that produces stuff did an interview recently with someone about COVID. And he made, a, he made a statement about Donald Trump getting rid of the pandemic response team. This led to a bunch of thumbs down, people who were angry because the guy was wrong. This is what truly fascinates me. Scanner did an interview, all well, the suffers at the time, did an interview with the guy. There was no assertion that what he was saying was true. It was giving you his perspective, the same as you would get on any man in the street in, uh, video. It was interesting, interesting to see a doctor who had contracted COVID explain how they felt about things. Well, the audience wasn't happy that he said this because it wasn't true. I can respect that. But you don't like when you thumbs down the video, you're thumbing, you're, you're thumbs downing our news reporting because you didn't like that someone else was wrong. But I get it. And my response, my, my opinion is there should be some kind of disclaimer in opinion videos stressing, you know, th- these aren't fact checked statements or things like that. These are the personal opinions of the, inter- of the person we're interviewing. That being said, when you look to pandemic you see a, a, a doctor giving her opinion in much the same way. But because they censor this stuff, there's no chance at rebuttal. There's no comments. There's no dispute. There's no thumbs down at all. There is just the censored video and people finding a way to, sh- a way to share it. So you can see the interview we did. And you can see that half the people give it a thumbs down. You can read the comments and see exactly what their concern was. This person was wrong. Totally respect that. With pandemic, they censored it. Now you can't see anything. There's no, there's no debate. They removed that. That's the mistake. And then big high profile influencers and people with hundreds of thousands of followers see that and they say, we're being censored. You need to see this. Listen, when they first came out and said, don't buy masks. Remember this? I got hit up by a ton of my friends saying, dude, go buy masks. Now they've just said not to buy them. And I laughed. The big concern was that doctors needed N95s. And if everyone bought them up, doctors wouldn't get them. The other concern was that people thought it protected you from getting sick. That's still not the case. But it was funny to me that as soon as they said, don't do it, everyone I knew was like, you got to go do it. They don't understand how reverse psychology works. It's like someone saying, don't think of a white fence. The moment they, you did, didn't you? The moment they censor this video, people say, whoa, this must be important information. Because if it was bunk nonsense, they would ignore it. So here we are. What's, what, the, the main thing that I find truly, truly fascinating here is, What is the catalyst? I don't know. What's making resistance people move to the right? I don't know. I can tell you, though, I think we're going to see a a red wave, as I stated in my main channel segment today over at uh, TimCast.net. Check it out if you haven't already. Most people don't realize I have other channels. TimCast.net. Again, I'll say it again. Subscribe. Uh, 
And I, I do a bigger, I did a bigger segment there talking about the coming red wave. When you're seeing former resistance Instagram influencers, these are not political influencers. Now on the cultural right, talking about QAnon and stuff, I'm like, these people are voting for Trump. You realize that, right? They're scared of censorship. They're mad about censorship. They're voting for Trump. And they're influencing their followers to do the same thing. And they don't care if they lose followers and they truly believe this stuff. They've become true preachers of this cause. When the left had that and still lost, what do you think is going to happen when Donald Trump has those people now? It's going to be a Trump, Trump landslide. So we see this from Mother Jones. Wellness influencers are spreading QAnon conspiracies about the coronavirus. This has been going on for quite some time and BuzzFeed is writing on it. The problem is BuzzFeed is not trustworthy, especially Ryan Broderick, who's gotten so much wrong. And you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate too, because there's, there's some good things BuzzFeed has done. There's some, uh, uh, Ben Smith, formerly, former editor in chief, now doing great work at, at the New York Times. But when BuzzFeed is the one writing about this and they're completely untrustworthy on topics of culture, uh, culture war, who knows what to believe? And I'll, I'll say this, when BuzzFeed writes about it, it reinforces in the minds of all the people who already believe a lot of the conspiracy theories that it's true because BuzzFeed is verifiably wrong on so much. Ryan Broderick has been involved in several stories that have been absurdly and verifiably wrong. And did he correct some of their, their I'm not going to get into the full uh, details, but there's been a few where he's just been so absurdly wrong that immediately discredits all his other stories because they don't correct them. They don't apologize. And that's when things get truly, truly bad. Maybe not necessarily bad. I mean, I, I, look, I, I'll tell you what. I don't know how much it matters that some influencers follow conspiracy theories. I really don't. We've had conspiracy theories forever. Now, it is kind of bad in the UK where people are burning down 5G towers because they've lost their minds. Yeah, that can be bad, I guess. But how bad is it really? I don't know. A lot of people have believed a lot of crazy things for a really, really long time. And conspiracy theories have always been relatively prevalent. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think the world is ending. I think the mainstream news has become so untrustworthy that no one knows what to believe anymore. I don't know. I guess we'll see how it plays out come November. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. But don't forget, check out TimCast.net if you haven't already. I will see you all next time. Thanks for hanging out.